Mini episode 1130 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to FDH Lounge mini-episode number 1130. This is FDH Managing Partner Rick Morris here. We are breaking down the landscape after the first presidential debates of the 2020 presidential cycle here. And uh, good friend Colin Delaney, proprietor and editor over at epolitics.com, coming on again to lend his expertise, going to give some analysis on the field. He's been to Netroots Nation subsequent to the debates here. So the, the, the debates, I think, serve as the first real before and after of this electoral cycle. We're going to break it down just like we did the previous electoral cycles of 2012 and 2016 on the show with good friend Colin Delaney. Colin, welcome back to the show. How are you today, my man? I'm doing great. Always happy to be with you. Uh, there is, I am very happy to have you here as well. There is so much to get to. I, I don't know what storylines loom largest coming out of the debates, if it's the consolidation to the first five here, the power five of Biden, Mayor Pete, Sanders, Warren, Harris could be six because anytime you got a billionaire in the mix now, Tom Steyer, nobody asked him to jump in, but he did anyways. Uh, you have Joe Biden very decisively losing the woke primary, which could be the only one that matters in the Democratic Party this time around. So you have that. You have all kinds of different elements coming out of this thing here. You have Marianne Williamson, who I sincerely hope will be a part of every Democratic debate going up to next year's convention. That was the highlight of it. Um, On a less facetious note, I will say uh, I'm not a fan of any of the candidates domestically, but I am a major fan internationally of Tulsi Gabbard. It was good to see her putting Tim Ryan in his place uh, and smacking him down and talking a little peace, love, and understanding in the modern world. My Rand Paul heart was beating pretty good for that one. So uh, she's not really a part of the calculus, though, unfortunately. But uh, what were some of the bigger things in your head coming out of this first round of the two debates that we had in Miami? Sure. Well, one thing is there's a lot less Democratic bedwetting about having too many candidates, right? People are like, okay, people are going to drop out. There's just... You know, Democrats are extremely good at that forming circular whining squads, right? <laughs> uh, basically, uh, uh, I mean, ever since Reagan, it's been learned helplessness. I mean, you guys stole uh, stole the presidency in 2000, stole the Supreme <laughs> Court seat, right? So it's sort of learned helplessness. Right? Um, so, uh, 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 yeah, everybody's calming down a little bit on that front. Um, the one who did the job that she needed to do most, I think, in retrospect, will have been Harris, because... He had been faltering, uh, just basically had not been breaking through in the news, was not raising as much money as the others, was in danger of what happening to her, what is now happening to Beto, um, fell in Texas. But, uh, the, uh, but her going after um, Biden like that was uh, an extremely smart move, the only, and, and helpful, I think, to the Democratic Party, because the only thing Biden really had going for him was people's sense of 
his inevitability. That without that, he's got nothing. You know, uh, uh, his first two presidential campaigns were disastrous, right? He got one or two percent or something like that in Iowa against Obama. So it's not like Joe is a historically strong candidate. And then Harris demonstrated that she's a night fighter. And uh, you're like, wow, okay, you're an effective uh, person. Um, and it, it reinforced the, the image people had gotten of her in her questioning um, in the uh, hearings. Uh, Kavanaugh? I can't remember if it was Kavanaugh. It was Kavanaugh, yeah. Yes, yes. There have been a couple of times where she's been a very good questioner. Uh, I think maybe Michael Cohen as well. But uh, uh, she had to do that or she was not going to be one of the big five. And right now the big five are going to get all the attention. It doesn't mean it can't change. You're absolutely right. Uh, Blue Chips could drop out. He's young. I mean, it's only so, so, you know, I've, uh, I've, I've never heard several people say something along the lines of, I'd love to judge in 20 years, you know. Um, let, him, let him get a little more experience. Um, there's suspicion of Harris on the left, though, because of the, the former prosecutor. You know, there's an extra sensitivity to... You know, the long jail sentences that black men have received, right? And she was a pretty tough prosecutor. But the thing is, you can't exclude every single former prosecutor, right? Like, everybody's going to have to compromise a little bit. But in the wake of Black Lives Matter, that's particularly touchy, um, among especially the younger activists, for completely understandable reasons. Um, I'll tell you, the candidate that now, and she did fine in the debates, but I've seen, uh, I saw Elizabeth Warren in person uh, less than a week ago, and she has improved as a candidate like nobody's business. I've seen her at Netroots at least four or five times now. And uh, previously, she was pretty wooden and, you know, was behind the podium. And this time, and she was professorial, and that had really, you know, shaped my opinion of her as a campaigner. But now she is moving around. She is engaging. She's very good at explaining things in accessible ways. Uh, I'm very impressed with how she has improved. Well, I will say this. As far as the uh, going back to the Kamala Harris thing here, I, I, you, you had said something about that being good for the Democratic Party, and, and maybe you mean that in the sense of uh, taking down Biden and putting some chinks in his oh, armor. Yeah. But I'll, I'll oh, tell you this. Yeah, Biden, absolutely. But also, you know, we got to move past a lot of um, things that Democrats used to wink at. Yeah. Well, again, like I say, you just proved what I said before. He's losing the woke primary. You are evidence of that, Colin Delaney. Well, calling it calling it woke is dismissive, right? That's it who, that's who I am. What, what this is, well, no, but, but let's be serious. This to me, and and believe me, um, uh, I was asked to check my privilege at one point. I think inappropriate, <laughs> but, um, but, uh, 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 but that's okay. You know, who gives a flip? It's collateral damage, that, right? I can put up a mild annoyance sometimes. That that is but, adorable, Colin Delaney. That is absolutely adorable that you just said that. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's put up. That's no big deal. Um, but they, she was young. Um, the uh, the, um, uh, but the bigger point is that, I mean, just an honest, we have to start being honest with ourselves about, you know, the, the, the party and how a lot of people who are part of our coalition got to where they are, right? That, you know, growing up in segregated schools, excuse me, that was my laundry, growing up <laughs> in segregated schools, uh, you know, uh, set families back forever, you know, uh, 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 growing up in uh, neighborhoods that were residential. 
actually segregated actively by real estate agents who decided which neighborhoods they were going to flip to black back, you know, uh, uh, 50, 60 years ago. Uh, they, you know, built up, they were able to build up assets uh, much more slowly than, than white families were. Um, that these are raw, uh, these are things that happened and that they have left behind a lot of raw feelings. And so it's harder for people who feel that maybe Biden was part of a system that has disadvantage, actively disadvantaged them. Uh, it makes it hard for them to get on board with them. And I'm also like, we don't need no more old white men. Get out! <laughs> well, but here's the thing, though. Joe, Joe Biden has, and, and this, the polls haven't shown this changing much, out of this field, he has relatively massive black support. So is that people name voting against their interest from your point of view? What do you ascribe no. that to? Uh, name recognition. These polls are meaningless. It's just name recognition, right? Okay. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, and then also if you look back at Obama's support in 2012, um, black uh, a lot of especially older black voters feel like they've been burned before, mm-hmm. um, that uh, uh, they're, they're afraid that they'll take a risk on a black candidate and then white voters won't support him, right? Okay. Um, uh, Obama didn't start picking up uh, a majority of black support until after he won Iowa. Okay. Right? Um, and yeah, just not not everybody is as tuned into this stuff as we are. Um, you know, the, the a lot of uh, you know, the, these small changes in the polls, by small, I mean a few points here, a few points there, it's driven by how much someone's name is in the news, right? Where Biden, you know, uh, people have warm warm associations with him. But that's not the same as wanting him to be president once they actually start voting. Well, now, uh, there's, to me, there's no chance Biden is president. Very interesting. That, that, there's a clip-and-save no prediction. Okay. I think the chance is, is greater than zero. I don't know that it's a high chance, but I certainly think it's greater than zero. I'm not walking out on that limb, but... I, I will. Here, here is uh, the point in the show at which we can we can sound the alarm for uh, con- concern trolling. I guess you might say on my part. <laughs> we've we've talked about this before, Colin. That uh, that Trump wants to run this thing on 1972. McGovern, acid, amnesty, and abortion. Oh, yeah, we've talked absolutely. about this before. I'll tell you what, man. And you're going to call this concern trolling, but I'm a hundred percent right on this. One of the happiest things that's happened for Trump in the course of the campaign is when busing became an issue again. Nobody's talked about busing in presidential politics since at least the 80s. It's being used as a cudgel now to hit Joe Biden. Do, do you think Trump well, needs one more thing to fire up his base? He's going to be out there telling them, oh, they want to bust your kids across town again. You're, you, you don't agree with that, but that is a tactical misfire, my man. Well, I'll uh, put it to you this way. Nobody who needs things. Nobody who's going to vote based on busing is not going to vote for Trump, right? You know, if, if, if you're concerned about your child going to, going to high school with black people, you're voting for Trump because that's what busing means. You know, come on, man. It, it, one, it's not going to be an issue. It was, a, it was basically, it was a way to get it at Trump, right? That connected to her personal story. That was a very carefully and long prepared moment. Uh, it's very smart, um, but we're not going to be voting based on busing. Um, the Democratic candidate will have a chance to make uh, likely 
her case directly to the voters. Well, and here's the thing, too. There's there's nothing that I like more uh, than using uh, left-wing buzzwords in an ironical kind of a way. But uh, I would say Colin... <laughs> I'll give you it's, a few more. Well, you a few well here's the thing. Uh, here, ones, yeah. here, left-wing buzzword alert. I think it's problematic, Colin, to, to, to say... <laughs> well you like that? You like that? About that... that that every parent that's opposed to busing doesn't want their kids sitting there with black kids. I, I think the thought of letting their kids go to a neighborhood school rather than sending them on a bus across town, uh, to me that is perfectly understandable that parents uh, whose first responsibility is to their kids and not to be socially uh-huh. aware or whatever, uh, I'm a lot more understanding of that point of view, I have to say, uh, that from a parent's point of view. Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, every... <laughs> Just go look at all the private schools that started up as soon as school districts integrated. Mm-hmm. Like, look, Trump, we we don't have to use euphemisms anymore. <laughs> Trump has, you know, Trump has like, like you know, if you go back to Lee Atwater, you know the story I'm talking about. Yeah. Inward, 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 boxing, right? Yeah. Um, uh, it was always about race, and yes, there were other concerns. But really, it was always about race. Race is the original sin baked into the American Constitution, right? How are all men created equal if uh, all men are not created equal? And what, what you guys on the right, you know, decry as identity politics to someone like me is like, it's just fulfilling the promise. Okay. Somebody is a guy who likes to date guys. Why is he inferior, right? Somebody... You know, somebody's ancestor comes from Indonesia. Why is that less than someone else, right? Either we're all equal or no one's equal. Well, I, I, I mean, I think that's there, there's quite an amount of, I think, projection there on the sense that it's a widespread thing on the right or anywhere else that someone is not equal or inferior if their uh, ancestors came from a certain country. I, I think that that's not so much it. <laughs> Have well, you, have you li- did you listen to Trump this weekend? Well, I, I heard what he was saying. Well, I uh, I wanted yeah, to get you to, heard pretty well what he was saying. I, I, I heard what he was I heard Trump. what he was saying, and and again, and I I think it was <laughs> stupid because I think he reunified Democrats right as they were doing their old circular firing squad kind of a deal. So that's where I have said all along, temperament is Trump's Iraq because he does wow. not have the temperament to be disciplined enough. Uh, if anybody ever wondered if he was doing the evil genius thing, this past weekend right. should have set that to bed if it hadn't already. But before we get to more to Trump, I, I well, just want to... Yeah. One last thing yeah. about that. It's yeah. just, uh, to me, the big change was you had major news organizations saying the word racist. But those were racist under the EEOC guidelines. If Trump said that to an employee... He could lose his job. Okay. Well, here's the thing. All right. So let's <laughs> let's 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 do that now because what I here's is the point that I was going to get to, and I I've said previously yeah. on the show, Trump is going to lose in the long run. This war on the media, the media always gets the last laugh. He's fighting a battle he cannot win, and what is making me reconsider that a little bit is. And I know you've said before, you don't watch CNN, MSNBC, whatever. Oh, Ironically, yeah, I do. Ironically, I do, okay? And here's the thing. When you're talking about racist being on the Chiron, for example, the president's racist remarks, the daytime news anchors, not the nighttime opinion folks, the daytime uh-huh. news people essentially actively identifying as resistance media. Here's the thing. They're giving Trump what he wants. Trump wants them 
throwing the same poo back at him that he's throwing at them. They're doing it. You put racist on the Chiron. You have hosts calling him a racist, editorializing on the air. I'm not going to disagree with the definition of it, by the way. I'm not disagreeing with it, but I'm saying if you're supposed to be the old stately New York Times. I use that as, as sort of the thing of like what objective journalism was supposed to be, even though if you ask me, the New York Times hasn't been that for a hundred years. But regardless, that's the image. The image is, we're above it all. We don't take sides. Everybody is becoming resistance media, uh, including one or two on Fox News, interestingly enough, uh, Shep Smith uh, most prominently. Here's what's interesting, is that I think they're giving Trump what he wants. I think they're playing into his hands. I'm sure you disagree. Well, um, I think Trump is revealing himself as fundamentally un-American, right? I'm not thinking tactically. Okay. I'm thinking that this is a horrible human being, right? And um, we have to beat him and everything he stands for decisively, or it is a cancer upon the republic, right? He is no regard for the rule of law, has no regard for anything but the enrichment of himself and his own family. Um, it is uh, an accident, plus his own shrewdness, that got him there. But, uh, uh, you know, because we apportion uh, uh, senators a certain way, the Electoral College, you know, blah, 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 blah. Rural areas have disproportionate amount of power. Um, uh, uh, to me, he is a danger to America, and I'm glad that these. Uh, it's not so much reporters as, you know, whoever they are, is calling a spade a spade. Like, I mean, I'm serious. Like, what he said, you cannot say to an employee, right? Like, it's, uh, it's, uh, it gives you a workplace grievance. You know? um, and, and it is the oldest, oldest, you know, racist line against somebody you don't like. They said it to the Irish. Why don't you go back where you came from if you don't like it here? You know, why don't you become Protestant? You know, damn papists. I'm sorry, man. It is indefensible. And if we don't take a stand, then what's the point? Well, yeah, I mean, go back where you came from is never a good look, has never been historically. But here's the thing. I, I'm going to... I'm going to have a little bit of fun with you here based on something okay, you said. Right. Okay, because what you what you said about the Electoral College. So let me condense a lot of the talking points of, of the last year into this, uh, the last couple of years into this little bit of mockery. You know, Trump, Trump does nothing but shatter the sacred norms of this country. Also, we need to abolish the filibuster, the Senate, the Electoral College, and we need to pack the Supreme Court. So, so Trump's the only one shattering norms, huh? That's the thing, Colin. Well, I'm telling you, uh, everybody has you started playing his Mitch, game. You're all getting in the mud no, pit you know with who Trump. Started it? You want to go start it? Newt Gingrich. New, uh, I, I would not. To. I would not Mitch disagree. Mitch McConnell is Newt, Newt Gingrich's acolyte. Yeah. Um. Uh. He learned. Yeah. No. Uh. I'm. I'm sorry. So basically, you have. Um. Let's just put it this way. Uh. A minority of the country, meaning uh, about two thirds of white people in this country, hell, less than that, 60%, baby, um, are not going to dictate the terms to the rest of the country forever, right? Like, they can try as hard as they want to entrench minority rule. Let's call it what it is, minority rule. You know, a minority of voters has elected the president two times. Uh, we are covered by a Supreme Court that has been packed, right? What Mitch McConnell did is unprecedented in our history as a country, right? That's not a norm. <laughs> that is an unprecedented 
power grab and a naked one. Um, so in the long run, that will not stand, right? What, you know, we will do as little damage to the constitutional order as we have to. And I say this as someone who's been talking with a lot of liberal activists for the last few weeks. <laughs> uh-huh. We're going to do as little damage to the constitutional order, but the dead hand of Ronald Reagan cannot tell a new generation how to operate. They're going to change the rules. Well, I mean, the country belongs to the people who live in it. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with that part. I mean, we, we might uh, we might disagree on what that means in particular, but here's the thing. We, we, we've come around here. Okay. We're going to be bumping up against the time limit. So again, let man. me, all right, but I, I'll, I'll let you go on this, but here's my last point. I'm going to go back to the acid amnesty and abortion thing before. I know you think we're moving to where America's real center is, but I am telling you, when you get down to repealing the Hyde Amendment, so we're going to have taxpayer-paid abortion, uh, free health care for illegal aliens, abolish ICE, uh, reparations, on and on and on. If you think these are mainstream positions, Colin Delaney, that, that you want to see defended in a presidential campaign next year, God bless you. But if I was sitting in your chair, I wouldn't be saying that. Well, let's just say that you're the conservative media for trail of all of the things you just said yeah. are different than what Democrats will actually propose. <laughs> and when you poll Americans on most of all of that, they like it. You know, uh, if anything, support for immigration under Trump has grown by about four or five points, I think. Um, yeah, uh, you've got a generation growing up. You know, you've got um, uh, uh, millennials who, you know, grew up after 9-11 and the Obama years, not particularly in the recession that they may have blamed on Republicans. Um, and then you've got this generation, you know, the ones coming out of high school now, who their version of their view of conservatism is shaped by this hideous, hideous man, you know, who hates their gay friends and hates their black friends. <laughs> well, you know, um, they're not going to be voting Republican in large numbers for a long, long time. Well, the, the one point so I'll give you... You guys got to figure out. You guys got to figure out what to do. Well, first of all, before you keep seeing me, you guys, this guy's got to figure out what he's going to do. If Justin Amash is running as a libertarian next year, I don't know if I'm voting Republican, Conservative Party, or Libertarian Party. I got it narrowed down to those three. This guy's got to make up his mind, much less anybody else in this country. But I'll tell you this, when, when you're talking about all of that, uh, the one point that I'll give you is having the uh, the, the, the millennials, uh, you can count on them, the most economically illiterate generation in human history that thinks money grows on trees. You do have them in your hip pocket on the left, oh, Colin Delaney, so oh, there's please. that. That is such a stereotype. That's completely <laughs> untrue. You kids. Are you a boomer? Uh-huh. Uh, not quite. I'm an Xer. I, I'm an Xer, my All man. All right. Am I, listen, my generation is just as shameful, too. I remember uh, you and I talked about it on a previous uh, segment, the 92 presidential campaign. of uh, I think that was the first year in 92 they started running these uh, uh, rock the vote things on MTV. And I just remember yep, all these all these pathetic slackers. What's the government going to do for me? What's the government going to give me? <laughs> I wanted to slice my own skin off. I was so ashamed of my generation. So I hate all generations, Colin Delaney. Well, you don't hear that from the youngins anymore. <laughs> they got a pretty good sense of what not if not voting gets you. <laughs> well, uh, we'll, uh, we'll see what yeah, shape we'll see. they take I, I uh, subsequently. Yeah, uh, go back and 
look at the margin in the midterms. Okay. Yeah. About was eight point nine something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it uh, was. Trump. They tried all of the you know all the stuff he just you know read off. I hate to be in here as you were talking about this. Well, you know they were talking about last time and we uh, swept the house. We would have done far better if it weren't for gerrymandering. I'll, so. I'll leave. You, well, I'll leave you with the tinfoil hat take. Isn't it amazing that every close race in the country broke for the Democrats? How'd that happen? Statistically implausible. How'd that happen? Every close congressional well, race... Every, it happens in every wave election. The same thing happened in 94 uh, with Gingrich. Yeah, wow. that's what happens in a wave election. It's not improbable. It happens every time. You know what? I, I hate to say this. Fair point. I'll go look that up. I, yeah, I, I, okay. up. Yeah, no, you, you, you've at least given me an answer. Okay. That's the first, that's yeah, the first same answer. Thing, uh, same, thing in, uh, same thing in 74. Okay. Yeah, all the tight races break in one direction. Fair enough. I'll look, the, it away. I'll look that up. Away, you don't get enough conversions. There you go. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll, we'll check the uh, stats on that one there. Food for thought, as always. You're always good at giving us food for thought, my man. Thank you so much for being here. We'll catch up subsequently in this presidential cycle. Thank you, Colin Delaney. Thank you, everybody, for joining us for FDH Lounge Mini Episode number 1130. As we bring the show to a close, we would like to extend our deepest gratitude to NBC, CBS, ABC, Fox, All Clear Channel Affiliates, TNT, TBS, USA, UPN, Deadspin.com, YouTube.com, YTMND.com, MySpace.com, various blogs, Fox News, CNN, CNBC, MSNBC, IAMBoard.com, Billboard.com, Google.com, ESPN, ESPN2, ESPN News, ESPN Classic, NBA TV, NFL Network, Sports Time Ohio, Athlon Magazine, Comedy Central, Cartoon Network, The Boomerang Channel, QVC, BET, The Spice Channel, Steno Notebooks, Manwich, Papermate Office Supplies, Waitresses, Strippers, Bartenders, Garbage Men, Janitors, Microwave Popcorn, The Writers of The Office, Scrubs, Entourage, My Name is Earl, Oz, Metalocalypse and the Boondocks, Aquafina, and The Periodic Table of Elements. 